Welcome to the Falk Salem Podcast. Each month we'll bring you a mix of operational announcements and clinical pieces to keep you up to speed. Through our monthly podcasts, our goal is to put the tools and education right in the palm of your hand. By keeping you up to date, we hope that we can empower you to continue bringing exceptional medical care to the city of Salem and beyond. Any and all material we release has been edited to comply with HIPAA standards. Hi guys! Today's medication spotlight is Pitocin. Pitocin is a synthetic version of the pregnancy hormone oxytocin, which causes the uterus to contract. This medication is often used when labor does not begin on its own by the due date or if there are any other reasons that need an early delivery. Pitocin is delivered by IV in a hospital setting and is usually pretty quickly actually results in increasing strong contractions. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, approximately 23% of deliveries in the United States are induced. There are several methods used to encourage labor, but in the medical setting, one of the most commonly used ones is the drug Pitocin. In fact, according to the National Partnership for Women and Families, 63% of induced labors include the use of Pitocin. Pitocin is indicated for the initiation or improvement of uterine contractions in order to achieve vaginal delivery. It's indicated for the induction of labor in patients with a medical indication for the initiation of labor, such as RH problems, remember that RH factor, maternal diabetes, preeclampsia, at or near term, or when the delivery interests the mother and the fetus, or when the membranes are prematurely ruptured and the delivery is indicated. Another indication is for the stimulation or reinforcement of the labor. Last, it's used as an additional therapy in the management of incomplete or inevitable abortions. In the first trimester, it's generally considered a primary therapy. In the second trimester of abortion, Oxytocin infusions will often be successful in emptying the uterus. Other means of therapy will be required in some of these cases. When looking at postpartum, Pitocin is indicated to help produce uterine contractions during the third stage of labor and to control postpartum bleeding or hemorrhaging. So let's take a moment and talk about uterine contractions. Uterine motility depends on the formation of the contractile protein actomyosin under the influence of calcium-dependent phosphorylating enzyme myosin light chain kinase. Oxytocin promotes the contractions by increasing the intracellular calcium. Oxytocin has specific receptors in the myometrium and the receptor concentration increases significantly during pregnancy, which reaches a maximum in early labor at term. The response to a given dose of oxytocin is really individualized and it depends on the sensitivity of the uterus, which is usually determined by the oxytocin receptor concentration. Interestingly enough, oxytocin, even in its pure form, has an inherent pressor and antidiuretic properties, which may become more apparent when large doses are administered. 
These properties are usually thought to be due to the fact that oxytocin and vasopressin differ in only about two of the eight amino acids. Oxytocin is distributed throughout the extracellular fluid. Small amounts of the drug reach the fetal circulation. Oxytocin has a plasma half-life of about one to six minutes, which is decreased in late pregnancy and during lactation. Following IV administration of Pitocin, uterine response occurs almost immediately and subsides usually within an hour. Following intramuscular injection of the drug, uterine response occurs within three to five minutes and persists for two to three hours. It's a rapid removal from the plasma and it's pretty well accomplished by the kidneys and the liver. Really only a small amount is excreted through the urine. In nature, there are few positive feedback loops. However, with Pitocin and Oxytocin, there is a positive feedback loop during childbirth. The positive feedback loop maintains the direction of the stimulus and sometimes even accelerates it. There are a few examples of positive feedback loops that exist in the animal, but uterine contractions during childbirth is pretty well studied. So, the hormone oxytocins made by the endocrine system, which stimulates the contraction of the uterus. This produces pain sensed by the nervous system. Instead of lowering the oxytocin and causing the pain to subside, more oxytocin is produced until the concentrations are powerful enough to produce childbirth. When you're looking at childbirth, oxytocin or pitocin causes the uterus to contract. This causes the baby to push against the cervix which causes it to stretch. The stretching of the cervix causes the nerve impulses to be sent to the brain. The brain then stimulates the pituitary to release oxytocin. This can be artificially done with the increased administration of pitocin. The stimulation continues again and again until the baby is delivered. Uh, let's look at it this way. Think of an old fashioned record player. If early labor is when the needle's on the outside of the record, and hard labor is the inside track closer to the label, and the label's the baby. Pitocin picks up the needle from the outside and puts it in. Left on your own, you'd eventually get there by yourself, but it may take a really, really, really long time, and your record may skip, which kind of keeps you in that stuck position. Your needle has to play that last song on the record before your baby's born. So Pitocin can help you out with that. The use of Pitocin is usually contraindicated when the baby's head's too large for the birth canal, or the fetus is in the wrong position or is presenting incorrectly, like in a transverse. There could also be fetal stress, but delivery is not imminent. When the uterus is already hyperactive or hypotonic and cases where vaginal delivery is contraindicated and then sometimes there's invasive cervical cancer, active general herpes, total placenta previa, or vasoprevia and there could possibly be a cord presentation or prolapse of the cord. All these reasons are contraindications to the use of Pitocin. In some cases, long labors can produce infections which makes the uterus too weak to contract after delivery and can cause them to 
bleed heavily after the baby is born. Sometimes we give Pitocin after delivery to help the uterus stop bleeding by squeezing down on the raw blood vessels exposed as the placenta is released. Active management is also called hands-on management, and that's when the provider uses different interventions to try and stop or prevent the severe blood loss after birth, also known as postpartum hemorrhage, or PPH. This management approach came about in an attempt to reduce PPH, which is the leading cause of maternal death in countries defined as, and I quote, low income, unquote, by the World Bank, and accounts for more than a quarter of all maternal deaths globally. And the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that the PPH accounts for about 11% of pregnancy-related deaths in the U.S., and in the UK. Both the US and the UK have found that physicians are more likely than midwives to always or usually use some form of active management in the labor and delivery. With a traditional use of active management, care providers give Pitocin in the third stage or another uterotonic drug just before, with or after the birth of the baby to help the uterus contract. Historically, the focus was on treating postpartum hemorrhage when it occurred, not intervening in the third stage of labor and in an attempt to stop PPH. Midwives treated PPH after the fact with vaginal packing or applying hot vaginal douches with pretty limited success. The first effective treatment for PPH came in use around the oh, 16th century or so. Midwives discovered that extracts of ergot, which is a type of fungus, could cause the uterus to contract and stop excessive bleeding. So, if a woman appeared to be losing too much blood after birth, she would drink extracts of ergot, also known as labor tea, to stop the bleeding. Since ergot worked by causing the uterus muscles to contract, it was the first uterotonic drug used to treat PPH. It's pretty amazing. Oliver Prescott, who is a physician in Massachusetts, published an article dissertation on the use of ergot to treat PPH in 1813. About 100 years later, in 1912, Dr. Barney Hart of Edinburgh made the case that ergot should be used before PPH as a way to prevent excessive bleeding before it occurs. In other words, he proposed the active management of third stage of labor by giving birthing people a uterotonic drug to prevent PPH. This idea caught on, especially in the 1950s, after studies found that reduction in PPH with the routine use of ergot injections in the third stage of labor actually really did help reduce PPH. However, ergot's also linked to side effects in some people, including some high blood pressure, nausea, vomiting, headache, and abdominal pain. Today, the World Health Organization still recommends ergot preparations as an effective uterotonic drug for birthing people without high blood pressure disorders. But in settings where multiple uterotonic options are available for active management of the third stage of labor, who recommends synthetic oxytocin over other options? Synthetic oxytocin first came in use in about the 1950s, 
a little bit, or pretty significantly later than Ergot. Soon after this, in about the 1960s, active management became popular. And that's eurotonic drugs plus immediate cord clamping and controlled cord traction. And this became popular in many hospital settings in an attempt to prevent postpartum hemorrhage. The hormone oxytocin was discovered in 1906 when Sir Henry Dale of London found that an extract from the human pituitary gland, which is that pea-sized structure in your brain, caused uterine contractions in the pregnant cat. He named the hormone oxytocin after the Greek words for quick birth. Then, fast forward a little bit, 1953, a New York biochemist named Vincent Du Vingard published the chemical structure of oxytocin. And he actually received the 1955 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for it. Research on oxytocin in the early 1950s used extracts from cows and pig pituitary glands. Today, it's commercially sold oxytocin and it's prepared synthetically in labs. So that means that the pitocin that we give to expectant mothers doesn't come from a pig anymore. It's synthesized. Pitocin is a synthetic form of oxytocin and it's commonly used in the clinical practice to start or induce the speed up or augment of labor. And it helps the uterus contract after birth in active management. In some countries, like Australia, they use an equivalent drug called syntocinin. Pitocin and syntocinin are urotonics and are also used to prevent PPH and prostaglandin analogs such as mistroprol, ergot alkaloids, and a lot of different combinations of these are used to help prevent PPH. The presence of the body's own oxytocin or receiving pitocin is critical in preventing PPH in the third stage of labor. After birth, oxytocin or pitocin continues to cause the birthing person uterus to contract in order to expel the placenta. With each contraction, the movement shears the placenta from the uterine wall. There is an upward wave of separation that causes the upper part of the placenta to detach last. When it detaches, this leaves a placenta-sized wound on the inside of the uterus. Without effective contractions, the uterine blood vessels are left wide open and the enormous amounts of blood can be lost really quickly. But when pitocin continues to cause contractions, this causes the uterus to clamp down with pressure on the bleeding blood vessels where the placenta was attached and stop the bleeding at the placenta wound site, which helps prevent PPH. Oxytocin and pitocin are identical in chemical structure, which is compromised of a chain of nine amino acids called a nonapeptide. However, they don't act on the body in the same way. In addition to causing uterine contractions that help to birth the placenta and prevent PPH, the mom's oxytocin is released in the brain and it helps reduce anxiety, stress, and pain. This is a major difference between oxytocin and pitocin. 
the birthing person's own oxytocin levels rise in both the blood and the brain fluid. But Pitocin, interestingly enough, doesn't cross into the brain because of the blood-brain barrier. Researchers are now actually studying intranasal delivery of synthetic oxytocin as a way to cross that blood-brain barrier and treat different brain diseases and honestly help reduce some of the anxiety, stress, and pain that mom experiences. Another difference is when Pitocin's given, it's given at high doses during labor and it can cause more frequent, longer, and honestly more painful contractions. Researchers have found that giving Pitocin infusions up to about 9 milliunits per minute leads to similar levels in the blood as seen with physiologic labor, where doses between 10 to 16 milliunits per minute raise levels to double those of physiological labor. So the dosing regimen for Pitocin in practice really varies, but the guidance that clinicians give is that most protocols limit oxytocin infusions during labor with a live fetus in the third trimester to more, no more than 40 milliunits per minute. In the future, I'm pretty sure we're going to see more research on giving Pitocin infusions in pulses during labor, which really would actually mimic the body more when it's releasing oxytocin. Oxytocin in the body, both natural and synthetic, causes the uterus to contract by binding with oxytocin receptors on the cell surface. When there's a lot of oxytocin, the body compensates by decreasing the number of oxytocin receptors to re maintain body equilibrium. So prolonged exposure to Pitocin in labor may lead to a reduction in the number of oxytocin receptors which is called receptor desensitization or oxytocin receptor downregulation. This is less likely to happen in physiologic labor and in birth with the body's own oxytocin because the oxytocin is released in pulses and then gets rapidly broken down by an enzyme so there's really little left in the bloodstream between the pulses. Getting that break from oxytocin exposure helps protect against receptor desensitization and helps keep contractions effective. Pitocin normally doesn't carry any harm to the baby, but sometimes some studies show that Pitocin can also have some issues with the baby itself. Some of the issues are fetal heart abnormalities like bradycardia, PVCs, arrhythmias, low APGAR scores, neonatal jaundice, neonatal retinal hemorrhage, permanent central nervous system or brain damage, and possible death. Even though these risks are dangerous and they're really important to consider, they don't happen often. The use of Pitocin should be used when there are problems with the birthing process. And sometimes Pitocin is needed for the expectant mother to help deliver the baby. Although these risks are rare, they're important to keep in mind when Pitocin is considered. The decision needs to be made if the health of the mother and the baby are at risk with the natural labor process. If there's a risk, then Pitocin needs to be given. So Pitocin has a lot of uses in the birthing and after birthing process. With the identification of oxytocin, Pitocin was created. Having Pitocin has radically changed the childbirth process 
and has reduced the need for cesarean section. Pitocins also improve the mortality of women who experience hemorrhaging post-birth. This drug continues to be used today to help expectant mothers safely deliver their babies. I really hope this segment encourages you to re research this process. In the emergency medical field, you may have to experience an expectant mother through the labor process. You even may carry Pitocin for the post-hemorrhage bleeding. Researching this medication can help you understand the need for the drug and how to keep your patients safe and help them deliver their baby. Thanks guys for listening. Have a very safe day. Thanks for listening to the Falk Salem podcast. We welcome any feedback you may have, or if you have suggestions for future content, please send an email to nicholas, that's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S, dot vaneps, V-A-N-E-P-P-S, at falk.com. Thank you for all your hard work and have a safe shift.